0: The L.A. Clippers finished their second preseason game in Seattle on Tuesday night, and it was a win this time against the same Utah Jazz that they lost to on Sunday. This one, one hundred three ninety-eight to the Clippers. Robert Covington giving a great audition for a potential starting spot. How about a little 2 one three? and the rest of the team, the pace of the game, so many good things to talk about from today's or on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir, you are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darren Vaziri, born and raised in LA and going into my 19th season as a Clipper fan this fall. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper pod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper for even more LA Clipper and LA sports content and locked on Clippers is free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms, including YouTube. I want you to let me know who you thought was the most impressive player in the game, or why don't you just give me your thoughts on the game in general? Cause the Clippers basketball is back and it feels so good to be talking about actual games again and this one a win for the clippers obviously the results don't mean much in the preseason i'm more so looking at the process and today's episode is brought to you by jace medical get the jace case it has five life-saving antibiotics that can help you wherever you are and be prepared for any situation but let's get into the game the clippers winning it 103 to 98 as you'd expect Kawhi leonard paul george And Russell Westbrook not playing in the second half. Of course, Russell Westbrook did not play the game on Sunday. And in this game, it would be Norman Powell, Marcus Morris, and Brandon Boston who were out. Brandon Boston out with a knee contusion. Marcus Morris reportedly out with the right groin strain, which a lot of people are speculating, given his history with the Clippers going back to last season and having a kind of phony injury report. Or it was health and safety last year for senior. And then he had an injury when he was cleared, apparently coincidentally, right when he got taken out of the starting lineup. So with his name and trade rumors so much and having been traded for a second before it fell through that Malcolm Brogdon trade, he was, that was going to send him to the Clippers and send Marcus Morris to Washington didn't happen. So the franchise literally traded him. And so he must feel a certain type of way right now. He's not playing. I have no further sources on whether he actually has a groin strain or not I myself actually have a little bit of a left groin strain right now from playing basketball. But point is, we didn't have senior. Norman Powell was at first listed out with right groin strain, but then they said it was a healthy scratch. So just giving him a little bit of a rest. So I'm okay with that. But the starting lineup is one of the proposed starting lineups for many Clipper fans that we saw tonight or on uh, Tuesday night. And that was Russ. Kawhi, Paul George, Robert Covington at the four, and Ivica Zubac, and I was so ecstatic to see 22 minutes for Roko, who only got five on Sunday night, and man, because he got the most minutes of anyone on the team besides Amir Coffey and Musa Diabate, who if I'm not mistaken, got all those in the second half, I know... Actually, no. Musa didn't because Zoo. I'm happy I remembered this. Zoo actually checked out of the game after only five minutes. He was he had four points. Was two for three. Had a really nice rim run right underneath the basket. And Paul George found him on a nice pass to his outside hand that got him right into his little drop step for a lefty layup. But Zoo was listed out for the rest of the game with back spasms. Ty Lue downplayed his, the seriousness of the injury after the game. So hopefully Zubats is okay. I think he's okay. We've got a week before the next game against the Denver Nuggets at the Staples Center, which I will be at and debuting the new supporters section that the Clippers have uh, t- introduced this season. I'll talk about that more a little bit at the end if you want to know what I'm saying, but let's go right into the important stuff, and that's Robert Covington and the impact that he made in this game. I've talked about how great it looks like when we have Roko, Paul, and Kawhi on the court together because their length and size just really shrinks the floor for the opposition. and makes passes that look like they're there not be there it makes our scrambling when we have to close out and recover and help and recover much quicker much better there's just a lot of long arms out there in shot contests and robert covington is the head of the snake kawhi leonard we talk about his hands all the time but robert covington as brian seaman says the fastest hands in the west But some of the best hands I've ever seen in the NBA, up there with the Chris Pauls and Clyde Fraziers of the world. He's got some great hands. And in this game, he got four blocks and two steals. And some of them were blocks on jump shots that I just did not think he was going to get to. And it just seems as though he's got those magic hands that just are the ball is just magnetized or his hands are just magnetized the ball. A couple of times he stripped the ball and went off somebody's knee out of bounds. And you know what happens when the Clippers force turnovers. And something that's been a consistent thing that Ty Lue has repeated throughout this training camp and or preseason is the possession battle. Winning the possession battle and how the Clippers did not do a good enough job of that last season. And that comes from taking care of the ball and rebounding. And the Clippers in this game shot three more shots than the Jazz. 93 to their 90 also shot more free throws 24 to their 20 turned the ball over 14 times to their 16 and out rebounded them 48 to 51 so the Clippers I don't have the possession battle number off the top of my head but given all those stats they definitely won it and it's part of the reason why they won the game and Robert Covington was part of what the vision really could be for this clipper team he even had some good moments on the ball however i'll say this the utah jazz are a team that went big right as i said in the last episode john collins playing the three larry markinen playing the four and walker kessler at the five that's a really big front line given that john collins has played power forward his entire nba career so the clippers went big with robert covington knowing that their quickest guards are THT and Colin Sexton in the starting lineup. And even though Colin Sexton is pretty quick, Paul George didn't seem to have too many issues, although he was guarding THT and it seemed like Russ was guarding Sexton. But Paul George and Russ were doing a fine job. Lowry Markin is obviously their best player. And the Clippers are obviously so switchable. They were switching a lot tonight or on Tuesday night. They were switching a lot of off-ball screens. And, of course, one through four. But the off-ball screens in the Clippers – Need to be very careful when they switch those. They need to be sharp on their communication because you're a step behind. You're a step late. An NBA shooter is popping out to the three-point line. That's all the daylight they need to get a clean look off. And despite the fact that the Clippers won this game, the Jazz had a pretty bad shooting night from three, as did the Clippers. But they had a decent amount of open looks, and they just didn't make them. And those are going to fall when players start getting into regular season form. So when they switch off-ball to Clippers, they've got to be sharp. They're basically switching one through four. And let me tell you something. With Robert Covington out there, as I said, the size, the length, he was doing well moving his feet. And again, for the second consecutive game, the Clippers' defensive intensity has been regular season-like. I know the Jazz aren't a very good team. I don't think they're even going to make the play-in. But they're still NBA players that you can't underestimate. And it's really just about the Clippers. I'm not worried about if they're playing the Shanghai Sharks. Their defensive intensity looks better than last season's regular season at times, and that starts from the top with Paul, Kawhi, and Russ. I think Paul and Kawhi have been really solid so far in the preseason defensively. Paul George, in this game, he didn't have a good shooting night, but he really was fighting over screens, closing out well, guarding THT, who was the star of this one for Utah. And Kawhi, despite the fact that he's not really had to guard the ball so much, his help defense has been great. He still has that same intimidation factor when he's around players shooting the ball. He's closing out, chasing guys off the line. So the effort overall has been really solid for the Clippers. And that was demonstrated by the fact that they only allowed 39 points in the first half when the big boys were playing for both teams. And I think that is awesome. Actually, I don't think. I know that's awesome. This roster... Is Built with some decent defenders some guys that may not be the best on the ball but great team defenders and a lot of size and length at the forward position but last season we saw a criminal under usage of these kind of things by Ty and I think that Ty Lu really learned his lesson and Really has seen what his squad is and said this season I ain't playing and he's had that kind of attitude for a couple of weeks now And to see the team kind of go out there and play with that kind of energy, two straight games in this preseason, they have completely outplayed the Jazz when the real players, the real rotation guys were playing. And they should. The Utah Jazz are not a team that's going to be competing with the Clippers in terms of what the end goal is supposed to be. At least, knock on wood, with the Clippers staying healthy, that's not a chance. If they're not healthy, then yes, Utah and the Clippers' records might not be that different. But we're playing for good health. Even with a little bit of injury, the Clippers still are better than Utah. I mean, and by the way, so the moral of the story here, Robert Covington was everywhere defensively. And not only that, he was finishing in transition, had that and one over Colin Sexton early in the first half, was finishing around the rim. He was 1-for-2 from 3, 4-for-7 from the field, and finished with 11 points, 3 rebounds, an assist, 2 steals, and 4 blocks. And here's the thing. When the Clipper defense is better, and they have guys like Kawhi Roko and Paul George with long arms and good hands, and the athleticism of a Russ, out there with Zoo. And I think it applies with Terrence, but in terms of creating steals, I think it's even better with Roko. I think Terrence is just your better bet to stay in front of the ball, have better point of attack defense. But against a team like Utah that's a little bit more size-oriented and less speed-oriented starting lineup-wise, Robert Covington is a guy, so maybe you can alternate them. However, I do think it's better to have a set starting lineup. And Terrence Mann is still my vote. But I will say this. After Tuesday night, Robert Covington has me thinking about it. He really does. Because he clearly is still pretty good. And it further makes my cries, according to the haters, of how much better Rocco is than Marcus Morris. So much more valid last season that I was begging. And it's not just me. So many other people. You know, the whole free Rocco campaign and all that stuff. It's nothing against senior personally. We think Robert Covington is better at this stage and a better compliment for our stars. And you're seeing why. His defense help-wise and in the passing lanes and just his activity with his hands is amazing and kickstarts the break. And as a team that wants to push pace, didn't get enough easy baskets last year, this is how you do it when you have a team that's not a movement team. Tyloo talked about it. We're not a movement team. We're a very isolation, reg, like just like every other team, isolation, pick and roll heavy, the basics, right? The basics. We have a little bit more motion than what we have with Glenn Rivers as our coach, but it's still a pretty stagnant offense that comes down to our best players creating. But how we can get better shots, defense leading to offense easy buckets in transition and we have more players that can play in transition and want to play in transition this season and coming up going to be talking about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George they only played one half but there are star players and I'll tell you what more encouraging signs especially from number two going to be talking about those coming up I gotta tell you a little something about the Jace case the Jace case is where you can have five life-saving antibiotics We're emergency use, ready to go, prepared for any situation. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form. And in some cases, in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of our board certified physicians. You don't want to be caught unprepared. You want to be ready for any situation and be prepared to care for yourselves and your loved ones during the unexpected Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy, medication delivery, and ongoing consultation and care. I got all of them right here with the Jace case. I got five of those antibiotics. Do I know exactly what they do? No, but I'll tell you what, they're going to come in handy one day. I got Cyprophylaxin, HCL 500 milligrams of that thing, and I'll tell you right now, if you want the Jace case, you need the Jace case. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical dot com. Thanks for making Locked On Clippers your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. Going to be talking about why I think Ty Lu is in for a redemption season and why i'm saying that with some conviction that's going to be on the thursday show so be prepared and by the way apologies for not having a tuesday show Just was really tired got caught up with some other things but i will be replacing that episode with a saturday show so i can still give you the five days a week because we are the only five day a week clipper podcast and this podcast is going to be talking about Kawhi and paul this day where the Clippers won it 103 98 on Tuesday night in Seattle over the Utah Jazz and by the way how about Steve Ballmer before the game can you guys believe that's our owner (laughs) it is still so surreal his energy doesn't just light up a room doesn't light up an auditorium doesn't even light up a stadium it lights up an entire county I mean Steve Ballmer baby absolute freaking legend But speaking of legends, Kawhi Leonard, And he looked pretty decent today as well. Kawhi started the game with a little running hook over Larry Markin, who was tasked with guarding him to start the game. And then Kawhi went a little bit cold, a lot of threes, and he was playing a lot more off ball to start the game. And, you know, I made comments throughout the summer about Kawhi not being very quick off the catch. And I will say, when I say that, I'm not just talking about catch and shoot. But even when he catches the ball... From a, on a catch and suit situation, there were times in this one where he shot it right away, but there were other times where he hesitates, and he still makes the shot. That's the thing. But obviously, that's part of why you see someone like Paul George be used in so many more off-ball actions to get shots, because not only is he thinner, so it just feels like it's easier for him to get around screens, he just works quicker off the catch. I think he just is quicker as well, and his shot release is faster. As well. And I also think he just has the ability to catch the ball and move real quick better than Kawhi does. Kawhi is a little bit more stiff. But that being said, Kawhi still, even though it's slower, gets to his spots. I just think that you'll probably see Kawhi try a little bit more off the ball. You'll probably see some more sets from off the ball. I remember last year we had a frequent little, like a guard would go set a little flare screen for him at the top of the key behind the three-point line without the ball so he can come off, get a little catch-and-shoot three. And he made those from the top of the key quite a lot last season on the catch-and-shoot. And And then a little bit of a down screen sometimes on the right-hand side for him to pop out for a right-wing three. Those were pretty decent. But when he catches the ball, I don't see him get run off the line real quick and attack that much. But it's mostly inside the arc where I say he's not really quick working off the catch. Not as much behind the three. Because here's the thing, right? I was thinking about it. Is Kawhi really that quick offensively ever? Like, he's not, not necessarily like he doesn't have a good first step. He does to a degree, but he's more methodical. He plays at his own pace, his own speed. And listen, I'm not even using that as a knock. I don't think that faster is always better. I think what you're, what's more effective And Kawhi Leonard is effective. He plays at his own pace. He gets to his spots. He actually has spots. He can score from anywhere on the court. He has almost, you know, basically every shot in his arsenal. He's not the best off balance, but he can post up, turn over either shoulder. Mid range is absolutely world class. Like Kawhi, even with what I'm saying, I like that he made a little bit more of an effort off the ball in this one in the first half, but. He's much better on the ball, as you can see. And he did hit a couple of threes later in that half. He shot a lot of them for my liking. But again, I can see that Paul George and him are not trying to go to the rim like that. They didn't go to the rim once in this one for my memory. Kawhi Leonard in the first play went to the basket for that running hook. But other than that, they did not go to the rim. And that's okay with me in the preseason. But especially in Paul George's case, I want to see him be more aggressive. And by the way, they weren't calling anything. Anything in this game, anything for both teams, it was just a poorly officiated game, but it's okay. Preseason, but Kawhi, he did start to get a little hotter with those catch and shoot threes as the half went on. 16 points for him in the game on five for 12 shooting, four for 10 from deep. So, 10 of his 12 shot attempts were threes, but he shot 40%. So, we'll take it. Started looking like he was getting his legs underneath him more as the game, as the half continued, but. I was more impressed with his defense, you know. Kawhi, his help defense was good, active, his effort level was just high. And it's not like it's normally not, but I just like seeing that in the preseason even and just because you see that he's healthy. That's the main thing, right? I talked about it in the last episode. Kawhi Leonard looks like he's in mid-season form right now in terms of health compared to last season. And that is absolutely huge and completely understated and underestimated by the rest of the league. And now when I say rest of the league, I don't mean teams. I mean media and fans. I don't know what the other teams are thinking. But Kawhi is looking good. Very, very good. As for Paul George, he didn't shoot well. And a large reason, yet again, we've talked about it so much. He shoots himself out of the game by only shooting jumpers. A lot of good looks. A lot of looks that are going to fall throughout the season. But when you don't get easy baskets, sometimes that can happen. It's happened to me before. It's happened to Paul George a ton. Paul George still, though, made some really great passes. And when I say great passes, I don't mean his typical drive and kick or a decent read in the pick and roll. I mean passes out of nothing. He had that nice pass to Avicii Zubots that was perfectly to his outside hand. He had a nice pass when they blitzed him in a pick and roll to Mason Plumley, who I'm going to talk about more in the third segment. Got an one. So PG showed some really nice passes in this one. He had five assists to show for it. Th- only three points, four boards, and a steal on one for nine shooting and one for six from three. So there you go. Two-thirds of his shots were threes. But having Paul George on the court is still a positive because of the other things that he does, and I think his defensive intensity and effort have been really good so far in the preseason. So Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, looking pretty good. Kawhi Leonard, I can't wait to see more of him post up, more of him on the ball. It feels like he was... You know, trying to play off-ball, and I think that's a large reason because Russ is in. But I still think he can play on-ball when Russ is in as well. And coming up, going to talk more about Russ, the pace that he brings, and the rest of the guys, the Clipper bench, going to be talking about that coming up. I got to tell you a little something about FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The MLB playoffs are in full swing. The NBA is about to be ready to go preseason right now, and the NFL is in full bloom. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com and kick off the NFL season. Visit FanDuel.com and include money lines, props. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's talk a little bit about the other guys Russell Westbrook for starters. I think it was a quieter game for Russ only played 15 minutes thought his defense was really solid pretty active, but he had a donut. He was the only player besides Jordan Miller for the Clippers that suited up tonight that had a donut, but he also only shot one time. So not a big deal. It was a catch and shoot right wing three. And again, it's still, that's part of the reason why I don't want Harden. I want Russ on the ball as much as possible. That's part of why I was saying, you know, Kawhi was trying his best to be a little more off the ball and take more catch and shoot threes. And I'm not opposed to Kawhi shooting catch and shoot threes, but I still want him to work out of the post and stuff. And we didn't see too much of that in this game. But it's preseason, so it's okay. But Russ. I thought there were some really great moments of him getting downhill whether it be in semi-transition or in the half court even and of course on the full-blown break. Russell Westbrook is so fast that sometimes still at this age that you he's not even blown by his defender and teams are already loading up and overhelping. And at times I truly believe they are overhelping. I think you need to go make Russ one-on make Russ go one-on-one and finish in traffic with somebody chasing him down or on his hip. But I'd rather them over help because Russ is such a good drive and kick guy. He's looking at pass. He's looking to make that read to an open man. And he got several guys open shots in this one. He had five rebounds, three assists and two steals. He was only over one, as I said, 15 minutes of play, but he was a plus 14, which was the third highest in the game behind Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, who each played 20 minutes. So of course, a lot of their minutes were shared and Russell Westbrook wasn't as impactful as them per se, but all I care about is if the team plays well with Westbrook on the floor, and that is absolutely the case. Now, I want to say this. I've mentioned several times that I think he can be that third option. When I say that, though, it's not going to be like as clear-cut as, say, Drew Holiday for the Bucks in 2020, um, 2021, or James Worthy for the Lakers in the 80s. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be where he has some tough games and he doesn't close. He's not shooting well, and we go with other guys. But he is going to be, I think, our third best player throughout the duration of the season. I think our third leading scorer will most likely be Norman Powell, who I'm going to talk about in another episode this week. Why some people are saying he looks expendable. I think I saw tonight or on Tuesday night why he is still needed on this team. But Russell Westbrook, solid, you know. I think he will be our third-best player, but I don't think it's going to be very clear-cut. I think it will be dependent on the game, and I think what makes Russell Westbrook great is that he's shown with the Clippers that he's okay with sometimes not ending games. He'll still be the biggest cheerleader on the bench, and right after the offseason, his price tag doesn't make Ty Lue play him and feel guilty about it the way it was across the hall. As far as the pace that Westbrook brings, it's not just been Westbrook. It's clearly been an effort. From the entire team. And again, besides the little outlet pass, like he does to Tyrese Maxey in Philly, I don't think James Harden increases the pace. I think he wants the ball. He played a slow pace in Philly last year. He's more of a half-court player, always has been, and is going to be pick-and-roll city. I think without Harden, our team will play faster, and that seems like what they want to do. And our defense will be better, which will lead to playing faster. Westbrook, Bones Highland, K.J. Martin, and even Mason Plumley, which brings me to him. I thought Mason was really solid. He played 11 minutes. I don't even think he suited up in the second half. But he showed not only a great finishing ability, some activity defensively where he got a steal and in an inbounds and then finished. But what Mason brings is the ability to have your five handle the ball. And despite the fact that sometimes he thinks he's Magic Plumley and not Mason Plumley, he does give you another dimension of not only being able to pass out of the high post, which he's pretty good at. I don't know if he's an Isaiah Hartenstein though, but he's pretty good. But what Isaiah and Zoo can't do is bring up the ball like that. Mason can bring up the ball. Sometimes he gets a little too fancy, but he really can do some things and push the ball. He's got great athleticism. And I think that blends really well with Russ, Terrence, or Bones or all of them together. Makes me think. Is Mason more built for the starting lineup? But I truly believe Norman Bones, and depending on where Terrence is, I know KJ's going to come off the bench. More fast paced, younger players will be on the bench. I think that'll suit Mason more. And I think Zoo is better used playing with the starters, with Russ, with guys that are going to create easy baskets for him because Zoo's a big confidence guy. He's younger. Mason's more seasoned, been in the league, knows who he is. Zoo's still on the come up. And I think he really needs to be fed and get some easy points from those starters. And he's more of a half-court center. And he's been our starting center for a couple of years. He's now the longest-tenured Clippers, so I think he deserves that vote of faith. But that doesn't mean he should get more minutes every game. That's game-dependent. If Mason's playing better, he should get more minutes. And I like the look of Mason in the preseason so far. As I mentioned in the last segment, PG got bliffed on a screen. Mason with a nice, quick, short roll. Or more of a slip, I should say. It was like a slip screen because I think he knew they were going to at least hedge Jordan Clarkson was going to hedge on Paul George, so he slipped and finished nicely at the rim against Larry Markkinen. And then the other bucket I remember was the steal on the inbounds and finish with Kessler right behind him. Mason Plumlee filling up the stat sheet in this one. 7 points, 5 boards, 2 assists, and a steal on 3-for-3 three three shooting in 11 minutes. And if you remember last season, Mason had so many games where he shot 100% from the field. I think he has a real, real chance to be the field goal percentage leader this season. And how about Bones Highland, who missed some shots? Again, his three ball wasn't going. 0 for three from deep. So he's 0 for nine in the preseason thus far. But I still think he brings a lot of good stuff. He, again, was working hard defensively, getting to the basket, being aggressive, and playing with pace. And also, I didn't mention this enough in the last episode, but I think Bones Highland is a much better table setter. Than people think I know he's an attack first point guard scoring first kind of guy, but he's got passing chops And i've noticed a real effort from him to try to get other guys shots and really run the offense In these two preseason games and especially in the first game with the starters I thought he did a great job of feeding the better players and then picking his spots when he needed to Sometimes he's got to step uh go away from the contested threes though I think there are the right threes to take and they are when they're contested and that's when he's in rhythm or really isolating against somebody that's nowhere near as good as him but early in the shot clock contested threes pull up threes early in the the possession I'm not super high on those from Bones I think they're just unnecessary gonna lower his percentage there are you can tell when it's a good rhythm three seven points three rebounds, two assists, and a steal for Busy Bodes on three for nine shooting and 0 for three from deep in 13 minutes. Overall, I'm loving what I'm seeing from him in the preseason, and I'm so excited to have him as such a big part of this team this season. Terrence Mann, 18 minutes played, six points for him and four boards to go along with an assist and a steal on three for seven shooting, 0 for two from three in this one for T. They were both wide open right corner threes in the first half. But I liked how he played in the second half. Three for five from the field. A fall away mid-range from the right elbow. And Terrence playing good D. Just doing his Terrence thing. And love watching him play. Hopefully he gets more minutes this season. Will remain to be seen whether he starts or Rocco starts. But regardless, Terrence should be getting more minutes this season. And then somebody else who I was pretty happy to see was Amir Coffee, And I thought it was one of his more confident games in a while. And I did say that last episode... When he hit that three, hopefully it will be a spark of confidence, and he was much more aggressive attacking the basket, playing defense, getting to the hole. Eight for ten from the foul line for the Brewmaster. He had 15 points, which was the second leading scorer after Kawhi in the game. He even hit a three again, one for two from deep in this one, and played 23 minutes, which was the most in the game for the Clippers. It felt like he basically played the entire second half. 15 points, three boards, two assists, and two blocks for the Brewmaster. Three for eight from the field. I don't think Amir's going to get much burn this season. Just the team is so deep. But it was good to see some confidence from him and getting points on the board. And it's all confidence with Amir to me. In 2022, he was awesome because he was getting consistent run. 2023 wasn't. And the results were, as you'd expect when you're not playing consistently, How about Musa Diabate? He's been a big part of the preseason thus far for the Clips. 23 minutes played for him. I thought he was better in this one. Nine points, six rebounds, four of those offensive. So again, super good offensive rebounder. But when he gets the ball down low, you still see a little bit of that hesitancy of him bringing the ball down low and taking a while to get up. And it is causing him to get blocked. But there were a couple times where he was in that dunker spot, right place, right time, fed off some other guys. I think it was one time where Amir Coffey Jab stepped, got the step, dumped it down to Musa, who pump faked and went up for a layup. So there were some good patience, some good pump fakes on some plays throughout the game in this one. I still want Musa to be a little more aggressive going up. I think he was a little more aggressive relative to the last game. And he did get blocked once or twice, but that's okay. He also got six free throws out of it and made five of them. And that was a major weakness for Musa, even coming back to this past preseason this summer. We talked about the free throws five for six in this one. 9.6 boards, two steals, and three blocks. We talk about Robert Covington with six combined steals and blocks. How about Musa with five? Three blocks and two steals and a lot of altered shots at the ribs. So you love to see that from Musa. Again, he's a guy I don't think he's going to play much this season. He's on a two-way contract, but good to see him get some run in the preseason. K.J. Martin, four points for him, two rebounds. His plus-minus doesn't look good, but I'm not going to put much stock into plus-minus ever when it doesn't fully match the eye test and preseason plus minus in single game four points for him two boards on two for four shooting thought he was pretty pedestrian for the most part had some lob attempts but didn't wasn't really able to connect because of deflections or whatnot but it's early with KJ Martin he's still getting used to the team I've got my eye on him and defensively I haven't noticed any big flaws or anything glaring yet he's been fairly quiet in my eyes in these two games Then Kobe Brown had a rough shooting game, but he didn't really get attacked as much defensively in this game. And I think his size is really encouraging. And I like how confident he is trying to shoot the ball. Five points, five rebounds. You like to see the five rebounds. On one for six shooting and one for four from three in 15 minutes. So not the best shooting night. I still don't think Kobe Brown is going to get minutes this season. And I don't know if he should even get minutes this season, but I like his confidence. And then last but certainly certainly not least actually i want to give xavier moon a shout out 9 points 4 rebounds 3 assists xavier moon's a solid basketball player it was really funny to watch because when terrence came out it was really a mere coffee and xavier moon trying to create everything for the clippers and you're not going to get great offense when it's those guys creating no offense But Xavier Moon still did enough to get the job done. Four for 10 from the field, one for two from three. For a little guy, he has really good elevation on his jump shot and has the ability to make tough shots. And he is a solid passer as well. Nine points, four rebounds, three assists, and a block for Xavier Moon in 19 minutes. And he plays with no fear, which I absolutely love and any coach would want. And last but not least, Nico Batum, who did not play the first preseason game. Nico, I think he looked decent. Seven points for him, three rebounds, three for seven from the field, and one for three from deep. He definitely looks a little bit washed. I think this is this would be the perfect final year. I still think he has a role on this team as a backup. But Robert Covington clearly looks better, more spry. Nico obviously did play in the World Cup for France, so Roko's probably fresher anyway. But one thing I have a problem with with Nico, and you could even say this was the case last season, but when he gets run off the three-point line, He looks very indecisive. He looks like he's just looking to pass because his pull-up mid-range is a little suspect. It never looks good when he shoots it. He has no floater. I don't think he's ever shot a floater in his entire career. (laughs) And he is a good passer, but when teams stay home, they're like inviting him to the basket, and he seems hesitant to attack the rim and like go try to dunk on someone. I mean, he doesn't have the same athleticism he once had, but he looks very hesitant to go in for contact. So just keep keep your eye on that. But I still like seeing Nico back on the court. I'm a big fan. The last person that got playing time I didn't mention was Jordan Miller. Eight minutes, a donut, zero for zero. Not much to report there. A rebound and an assist. But overall, love what I saw from the clips. And it's really just reminding me, like, we have a good team. We have a pretty good team. I'm not trying to get super encouraged or get super optimistic over postseason. But when we're healthy on preseason, I keep saying postseason. When we're healthy, we're pretty good. Kawhi's really good. Paul George is really good. Westbrook is good. And we have a deep team with a different dimension this year. And if Ty Lue looks like, or I should say, if Ty Lue goes with what we need, defensive-minded lineups with size and no small ball lineups, which, by the way, he has not gone too small in any of these first two games, then we are going to be good as long as we're healthy. We really can be great. Like, on any given night, we should expect to possibly win the game. If Kawhi and Paul, Russ, and basically, you know, we have, if we have those three guys and Zubats, we got a chance to beat anyone on a given night. I think we have a chance to beat anyone on a given night, period. But with those guys, I think we have a chance to be better than anyone, except maybe Denver. But anyway, that's it for me in this one. And by the way, the more faster they play, as I said, James Harden, I just don't see it. And I love the way Bones is playing, but. The next game is next Tuesday. It's the defending champion Denver Nuggets. That's going to be at Crypto.com Arena or the Staples Center. I will be in attendance, and I can't wait. But I actually can wait because I'm enjoying talking to you about Clipper Basketball. And on the Thursday episode, going to be talking about why I think Ty Lue is ready for a redemption season and how he's going to show it. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. Subscribe to my own YouTube channel, DimeDropper, for even more LA Clipper and LA sports content and NBA content throughout the season. And Locked on Clippers is your place for all things LA Clippers. Five days a week. Subscribe on YouTube. Hit the notification bell so you know every single time we post a video. And comment anything about the game because Clipper basketball is freaking back, baby. And Amir Coffee, shout out to him, got Lawler's Law on this one. First to 100 wins. It's the law. And the Clippers got the win in this one. Yes, sir. We'll take it, even though it don't matter. I'm just encouraged with what I'm seeing. We're back, baby. We're so freaking back. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers.